it's it's almost like you take this dress and it's all wrapped up around you like a cocoon. And if you can laugh at it, you push it away from you and you can look at it from a, a better perspective. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Welcome to the Inspired Leadership Podcast. My name is Tyler Bailey. I'm here with Susan Power. And before we get started, I just want to say thank you so much for making this podcast amazing. You guys are so supportive, giving us so many ideas. Thank you so much for being a part of it. And if you remember, if this is the first time you're listening to this cast, you're like, oh, that made my day a little better. Maybe share it with somebody else, make their day a little better, because right now is definitely a time that we need to be sharing that positivity. People need that in their lives. And if you like this cast, give it a like. Why not? Moving on, I can't wait to introduce you to this amazing guest we have today. It's Jody Eckhart. Jody has been a keynote speaker for large organizations, healthcare associations, corporate teams for about 25 years. It's funny is she started as a former stand-up comedian and she's moved into the keynote world and now she does over 300 events per year. Here we go, let's hop into it. Welcome Jody to the Inspired Leadership Podcast. We have Jody Urquhart, professional keynote speaker with us here today. Welcome Jody. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey. All right. Well, we in a time that's so um odd and strange for all of us living through screens i think people really need to hear a perspective like yours today all right yeah i'm looking forward to it thanks for awesome. having me awesome so jody what's your story how how did you get started into stand up comedy and then make the leap to a keynote speaker can you tell us a little bit about you know who you are and what your story is sure yeah so i actually started doing speeches in the beginning and uh, I wanted a different way to connect with audiences. When I looked at speakers, I loved the ones that uh, were funny, the ones that could get the audience laughing. And that, that was the most engaging. When you laugh, you really uh, bring people into the room. Um, and it, it's a higher level of engagement. So I then decided to go and do stand-up comedy. So... Uh, now what a keynote looks like is I use stand-up comedy and content to engage people around whatever the conference theme is or whatever the keynote is that I'm mm-hmm. speaking about. Okay. So one thing that's really confused me about you know comedians and keynotes is it seems to have a, the, a lot of similar skill sets except yes. for the you know, the pay is so right. different, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and it, it's, I'm, I guess my question to you, somebody that's come from being a comedian and stepped into a, a whole new world, a whole new world, right? <laughs> so, um, why aren't all comedians trying to break into keynote or are they, or do they know about this or is it, is it a different world completely? Is it not the entertainment world? I don't know what's your right. perspective on that yeah it's a it's a good uh, good question um 
So I never tried to be a comedian. I, I wanted to be funny so that I could be a motivational speaker. So, however, I did do my time in comedy. And you're right. The, I mean, the difference is astronomical in the amount of money that you can get paid. <laughs> so definitely it's worthwhile to go at it being a speaker. Um, the thing is, you really need to... Um, to find a message that works with the kind of comedy that you're doing. So you tie in the business message. Some people will hire you just to be funny, but mostly they want some sort of message to go along with that humor. So it's, it is a different skill set uh, to, to switch over, um, but it's absolutely worthwhile. And it, I find it more engaging to, you know, the, the meat of a presentation is the content. The humor is the way to keep people engaged and help them, uh, you know, it reminds people what it feels like to laugh and to have fun and to be engaged. We need that, right? So, um, but the, the actual message itself is, is super important and it's about crafting that. And I'd say the hardest part of my job is, is crafting a really good solid message that people walk away with. And the comedy is kind of like the added addition to it. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. And and people, people can certainly laugh a lot more at work. You know, we don't use humor as often as, you know, you would, you would like to see in the workplace. I'm just curious, Jody, why do you think humor matters at work? Why is it important to have fun at work? Uh, yeah, so you're right. Workplaces can get kind of solemn. And um, so there's a lot of great benefits to humor. Uh, when you laugh, you do wonderful things. Um, it has been shown that humor can make you upwards of 40% more productive. And the main reason for that is because of what it does to... Um, it is to your to your mind to your body there's so much to it you when when you laugh you increase endorphins into the bloodstream which are like the positive emotional uh, endorphins and so what what they do is they set you up to feel good so it gives you natural energy it also increases oxygen levels uh, to the front part of your brain. So you instantly become more focused, which allows you to be more productive, decreasing stress hormones, and at the same time, you decrease muscle tension, and this breaks your stress cycle. So all of this happens every time you smile or laugh. So sometimes at work, people think, well, if you're having a good time, you're not being productive. But actually, what, what's happening is, is that it's giving you energy and making you more focused. Yeah, we are, we're looking at a situation right now where a lot of people aren't you know, in the workplace. Uh, what, what, are, what are some things you think people can do? What, what are some things that you help you kind of unleash that humor? It is a lot more challenging. Uh, what a workplace does is creates buzz and you always have people coming at you, wanting stuff from you at work. And now all of a sudden that has just like come to a complete standstill. So now we know why it's so important that we should have fun and, and lift our emotions. Um, right now is a very, very, very challenging time for so many people. Um, if you're on the TV a lot, you, <clears throat> it can be very depressing. <laughs> I did I tell people, just turn off the TV, okay? Go and look at the highlights because it's important to be aware. Look at the highlights, but don't don't sit there and watch it all day. You need to boost your positive emotion, emotions and endorphins uh, regularly. And so here's the thing about laughter and humor is we actually laugh 
30 times more in a social situation than we do in solitaire. So when we're isolated, we are not going to be laughing naturally anywhere near as much. So you might not think you laugh a lot at work, but you're laughing 30 times more than you do when you are alone. So now that means, uh, so la the reason why is laughter is a signal that we send, uh, we send to other people that indicates that we're engaged and that disappears when you're by yourself. So now you have to fill that up when you're isolated. You fill that up in any way you can. And I do think playing with kids is one of the best oh. ways because they are creative, they're funny, they're engaged, they need you to play with yeah. them as well. Um, but otherwise, <clears throat> look for anything that, that helps you to laugh. I think engaging with people through technology is a great way. You can look for funny mm -hmm. things on the internet. Take, take breaks very regularly and find ways to laugh. The biggest part of it, though, is just learning to take yourself lightly. So that means that you, everything we do is not all as serious as we think that it is. And right now, it's easy to get caught up mm -hmm. in stress and feel like our world is falling apart. Um, so just, just take it lightly as much as you can. Laugh at it. Laugh at yourself laugh at the environment that you're in, some of the people who you're isolating with, laugh at, I mean, in the end, comedy comes from catastrophe and conflict. Mm -hmm. So um, if you actually look at a joke, it's the buildup and release of tension. Mm -hmm. And in almost anything that you laugh at, there's conflict there. So right now, we have a lot of stress and a lot of conflict. And actually our bodies are designed to laugh to decrease stress. So as soon as, um, as, soon as you start realizing that you have great um, comedy in your life right now, I mean, uh, the more your life sucks, the funnier it is. So right now, <laughs> right now we've got a lot of comedy going on around us. So we've got to find ways to laugh at it. It might not seem funny, but it's, it's important that we take, so the moment that you laugh at something, you, you look at it from a bigger perspective. So you're no longer, it's, it's almost like you take the stress and it's all wrapped up around you like a cocoon. And if you can laugh at it, you push it away from you and you can look at it from a, a better perspective. Mm -hmm. So in like in workplaces, some workplaces are, are more social and, you know, tap into humor more than others. But for those that don't use humor, why is that? Is it because people are so stressed out that they're just not accessing that humor? Or is it that the leaders just, you know, are tightly wound? Or how, how do you get people to engage more in humor if they're kind of at the opposite spectrum where they're, you know, not happening into that at all? Right. It's a great question, mm. Susan. Um, so, <clears throat> Yeah, I do. So I, I, while you were saying that, I was uh, I was lamenting or thinking about different audiences that I speak for, where some of them are more engaged and easy to laugh, and others that aren't. So, and I find it actually tends to be more sometimes industry related. So lawyers are a tough crowd. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. And yet people in human, um, human services, anyone in healthcare, social workers, really great crowds, right? Mm -hmm. HR tends to be wonderful crowds. So um, they're all wonderful crowds, but they're different because we actually carry a culture in our workplace. 
And uh, depending on the kind of culture you have, if your culture dictates that you're more serious, uh, you, you will tend to be that way. I think it has a lot to do with leadership. I notice it in an audience that if a leader, if leaders laugh and lighten up and engage and are fun, then, mm. then staff feel that they are, um, are more likely to do that. So mm -hmm. it, it all starts with the leadership. And if they feel like it, I, I, so the way I, I go about it is, I think you need to know the benefits of humor and why we're doing it. We're not just trying to be silly and goofy, mm -hmm. uh, that there's actual value to it. So yeah. how it does help us and it, it, it puts us in a better state of mind, helps us increase, uh, boost morale, makes us feel good every time we laugh. All of that is really important for people to know why they should be engaging in humor in the first place. It's actually a strategy. It's, it makes us more productive. There's reasons that we do it. I'm glad you say that in the stress management piece, like I was hearing people say this year, we should skip uh, yesterday was April Fool's Day, right? Oh, I, I forgot. Say, <laughs> no one played a joke on me either. But Nobody. I, say, I didn't even know. This year, it's inappropriate. COVID-19, like there's no place oh. for April Fool's Day this year, but we probably needed it more than, more than ever, really. Yeah. Wow, that's hmm. amazing. I can't believe that slipped by. Yeah. No, no breaks, yeah. no nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Jody, you say in one of your keynotes, you know, don't chase money, chase passion. Um, can you can you tell us more about this? Um, what, what is that? Was that why why shouldn't we be chasing money? Because money's so important right now. Oh, Come on, yeah. Jody, it's so important. We need to we need to be sell sell sell. We need to be you know hoarding our cash. Right. <laughs> so what? Right. What? Chase passion because, well, so I would say I created a career out of that advice. So, and that's led to money a lot. You know, it's, it's been really lucrative for me. So uh, my passion has led me to that. So when you focus on money, uh, I mean, heck, if you can go for it. Um, and I think right now, yes, people need to be careful, uh, but figure out what your passion is. Time flies when you're having fun. So this is one of my favorite concepts. Um, when, you, when you're having a good time, it just flies right by. And it's never difficult or hard. So if you think about the last time you had a great time, you, you wouldn't look back at it and think, oh, that was really hard or difficult or stressful. Mm -hmm. Instead, what happened is the time just went by. And that's what happens when you have a good time. So when you're engaged in passion, then you're going to be having a good time and the time will just go by and that will um, that will lead to whatever you want it to lead to productivity engagement it's um mm -hmm. yeah it, i know it seems like a different way of thinking about it for some people but yeah. I, mm -hmm. I take anything that's stressful or challenging and I look at how can we make it more fun? How can we think of it as fun? Change our perspective about it. Um, I think we create blockages in our brain that say we can't do certain things. Well, maybe we can, but we have to look at it differently. And if you look at it in a way that's fun, it's gonna make it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. One of the things you say, Jody, in one of your keynotes that I saw in your on your website that I, I really resonated with me perhaps because I work in human resources but I found it quite funny is I love my job it's the people I can't stand 
Right. Heard you say that, and I'm just I'm just wondering what you might suggest for how employees can get more comfortable having difficult conversations, and to be more authentic at work, and you know build those relationships with people so they maybe they start to like them a little bit better, the people they work with. Yeah. So. Um... Difficult people. Uh, mm -hmm. The reason they're difficult is usually because they're get they they get away with it. So we let them get away with it. That's the number mm -hmm. one key. So the minute you you let people know, difficult people know that you're onto them, <laughs> mm -hmm. then you have a much better chance. So they they get away with it, but they also get something out of it. Um, studies show difficult people get to work better jobs. They get to do better. Um, they get to work with better people. They get better shifts. So they're actually getting a lot out of being this difficult kind of a person. So um, I think awareness in that way is key. Knowing that it's actually, they're able to control their environment, control morale, bring people down. Um, it's tough working with someone who's difficult, challenging, negative. I always... Um, I say look for distractions if you can. Don't let their mentality or negativity bring you down. Look for ways to continually boost yourself up and let them know that their difficult behavior isn't gonna isn't gonna work for you. I use a whack'em formula. It's really simple. You're not allowed to hit anyone. <laughs> but I call it whack'em, so you whack. So W stands for to, uh, decide what bothers you about their behavior. Um, and then you ask them for something different and then you confirm that they've got it. Um, it's really simple, but basically you're telling people, you know, here, you, you show up late for in a meeting. Here's what it does to our team. Here's how it makes us feel. Here's why it doesn't, it, it's challenging for the rest of us. And then you ask them for something different. So next time, can you come a little bit earlier? Um, can you come five? Actually, you have to be really specific with people. So can you come five minutes early? Okay. And then you confirm that they've got it. Really simple stuff. But, um, and you have to continually whack people over and over again. And then just mm -hmm. find ways to keep um, inspired and motivated. Some people choose to be that way. Sometimes it's their personality. It's just way you can't change people, mm. but you can change the way you interact with them. I um, I do use a lot of humor with that. I find that uh, having a playful lightness with someone, even if they're people who are difficult, really helps change the nature of the relationship. Now, mm. it doesn't mean you run around telling jokes. Most people think uh, it has to do with telling jokes, but less than 30% of anything we laugh at has anything to do with a joke. Um, instead, it's more about laughing again at the stress in the, in the work and in your life. If you could lightly laugh at somebody's difficultness, that would go a long way to create distance between you and the negativity for, and it's, it's, mm -hmm. that's for your own benefit but then also it helps you to um to show the person that they don't have that kind of power over you mm. it, that you you're you're able to kind of kind of rise above it and also feel good at the same time while they're being negative mm -hmm. i always found that um when when you're trying to um show a funny side of you have to show your authentic self or you have to be uh, vulnerable and um and then this leads you know this leads to uh, finding our passion. This leads every. I, I 
in my life, I found that I had, um, when I was younger, I found I had a lot of defenses up to being authentic. Like I wasn't able to be myself because I wasn't good enough to be myself. A key example of this was I went into, uh, I was, a, I went to an interview for the holiday Inn. I wanted this job. It was higher paying than 15 bucks or 12 bucks an hour. So I wanted it, but I didn't think I was good enough. So I tried to learn every single way to make myself look the best I could. <laughs> and then I got the job. Now that's great. But now when I walked into the job, I was like, Oh crap. I can't even be me. I got to be right. this thing oh, I made. Yeah. And I, I felt so stressed. And needless to say, I didn't even get, I didn't, I worked the job for the summer, but I didn't even go back to the job because I just hated it. I just hated <laughs> it. It was a great job. Yeah. It was so easy. But I, so I'm wondering um, what can people do that might have these defenses up for themselves in a way? Hmm. Is, there, is there any practice people can do or I basically I'm, I'm saying because when I'm talking to you you're, you're obviously have found your authentic self and you're you and um, is there have you is there something that you do a practice you do every day that kind of says ah oh, this is this is what I need this kind of you know keeps that those defenses away yeah I find that whole conversation really interesting and your story is interesting too I'm going to guess that that happens to a lot of people that you put on a certain show. And, um, you know, I, I go up and down with that whole thing because I, I don't, I don't know if you need to try to be authentic. The trying means you're not being authentic. I mean, you are who you are. So, and I think also in every work environment, we mold ourselves to that environment anyways. It's almost, just a part of what you do. So the fact that you showed up for that interview, the way you showed up, um, that's what got you the job. That's what got you mm -hmm. in that work environment. And so you, um, you may maybe needed to be that person to hold that position. And maybe it was the wrong position for you. But so if you're just honoring who you are, then you really can't go wrong. I, I, I don't need know that you that anybody needs to try to be themselves if you are trying. I mean, I don't know who you're being, right? Oh, so you're saying it's, uh, the idea is I wouldn't even have gone for that position. I wouldn't even gone for that. I probably would have found another job or something that was paying probably just the same, just not that one. If I was just being, looking through my, let's say authentic lens, if I may. If I was just kind of looking at life being my authentic self, there's probably another opportunity that would have paid the same, but would have accepted me for me. Sure, sure. Or you take that job and you continue to go and you make it what you want it to be. So you, you bring yourself to the job. So that I think would look like whatever, you know, uh, just, oh. you know, don't be so, don't be hard on yourself with, with who you are. Like you have, a tremendous level of skill and passion and creativity and why not just bring that to the work itself and let it flow and not put parameters around it <laughs> like oh i have to be real and natural and authentic and i just yeah. uh just bring it and also i i you know when it comes to humor uh, actually in all areas of life i do love the fake it until you make it principle so it basically mm -hmm. uh your body doesn't know the difference between a real and imagined event. Um, so if you say, or say you were going for a job interview and you felt uh, discouraged or you felt like this isn't going to go well for me or I don't really deserve the job, 
um, you could mm -hmm. just fake fake it and act like somebody who deserves the job. So you just tell yourself, mm -hmm. I deserve this job. I am confident. Even though inside you don't feel that way, you have a much stronger chance of getting that job. So it might not feel real or authentic. However, uh, your body catches up with that. So okay. because yeah. you're acting like you're authentic, you're acting like you're confident, your body starts releasing confident endorphins and you become more confident. And now you're going to be that confident person that mm -hmm. you need to be for that job. So you're, you're, you're reminding me of, um, as far as speaking goes, hearing about power poses. I don't yes. know if this is something you buy into, but you yes. know, before someone goes to speak, if they're in the bathroom, they got their hands on their yes. hips and they're like getting almost into character, right? And yeah. getting in the mindset, like, why not do that in real life? I mean, I know speaking is real life, but it's, you know, an hour on stage versus going in the job day in, day out. Mm -hmm. right. the same thing, I suppose. Yeah, it is. Do you have, do you have a routine before you go on stage, Jody? Do you have uh, um, something that you... You do the kind of, I know all these speakers have these little routines that they do and they don't bring light to it, but it, it's so empowering for, and for a lot yeah, of them. I don't know if you have something. Doing, well, especially when you're doing humorous speeches, you maybe you right. don't, you're not in a humorous mood every day, right? You right. must have to do something to get in that, that yeah. element. I would yeah. think. I don't know, what do you do? Yeah. yeah. Music? I, I mean, there are times where, um, uh, I travel a lot and I have a speech one day and literally a speech the next day. And to get from A to B, it's very tight. And I might get in at midnight and speak the next morning at 8 a.m. And uh, so that, that plays itself out a lot. So I do need to find my A game, even though I don't feel like I have it right now. So again, it, it feels like the fake it till you make it. But uh, let's see, I, like, I do a lot of meditating. I do a lot of yoga. It really helps me center myself, uh, calm myself down. I do, I do stretch like before a speech. Sometimes even while they're introducing me, I'm looking for ways to stretch my body a little bit just to make sure I'm there in my body. I don't want to be in my head and thinking it through while I'm speaking. I want to be in my body and feeling the words because that makes a very different experience for the audience and the speaker. And so... Um, I, I love the power poses, actually, I do. You, you take up as much space as you can, so you're off on the side, they're calling you up to speak, um, and you just widen your stance and use your arms, and uh, it, it does really help. Um, <clears throat> the other thing, I did have a mentor who taught me this, really, really important, and this has been one of my favorite personal development ideas. Um, so when I first started giving speeches, I was very nervous and I, I would say I was a lot more shy. So I was standing on the sidelines, they would be calling me up and I would be thinking, this is not going to go well for me. I don't want to do mm -hmm. this. Uh, you know, I was nervous and I would say to myself, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. So a friend of mine watched me speak and he said, what you need to be doing when you're standing on the side is saying to yourself, this is going to be so much fun. I can't possibly stand it. Like, I can't wait to get up there. This is going to be so much fun. And so I stand there and I still do that every time. I think this is going to be so much fun to the point where really in my life, not much comes close to public speaking when it comes to being fun. I have said that to myself thousands and thousands of times, and it's really worked. I mean, it, it is so much fun for me to give a speech, and it becomes that way. It becomes an experience. You see, if you're having fun, 
it's contagious and people around you start to have fun. So, and that goes for anything you do. So you just start being playful, fun, engaging at work and, and it starts to come to you. So you must really be, I'm imagining with all the conferences, you know, on pause right now because of social isolation, yeah. you miss public speaking. I do. How are you filling your days? What are you focused on right now in this kind of pause period? Well, uh, it, I'd say in the, in the first part of it, it was an absolute shock to me. Like everything came to an absolute standstill. I had, I had in like one week, I had 40 events that, uh, that were all thrown up in the air. Basically, flights had to be canceled and they were rescheduling. Some of them were rescheduling for 2025. So I, I went into a tailspin, I'd say, in the beginning. And then I realized, okay, I've got to pull myself out of this. I mean, I, I've got to rejuvenate my career. And so what mm -hmm. I've been doing is more and more of these uh, Zoom meetings, uh, podcasts as well. And um, I've been making videos. So I love it if people followed me on my YouTube channel and engaged mm -hmm. in any way they can. Um, I make a video every day, usually about every day. Um, I also write in my blog. And so I'm just building an audience that is virtual. <laughs> mm -hmm. And virtual. We'll make sure to put that in the show notes for yeah, sure. What's your that. YouTube channel? We'll, we'll link to it, but what is it? Mm -hmm. uh, my YouTube? It's just Jody yeah. Earhart. My name, Jody oh, Earhart. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Um, so, you know, I, I'm always wondering where, um, where speakers and comedians, where, where do you find your source of inspiration? Um, when developing new material, is it just from stories or your life, or do you uh, do you have certain your secret formulas that you throw at uh, throughout the? Or well, how do you um, how do you know when you found it? you're like oh there's a joke here? How do you right. what, what do you you know how what's your what's your method? What's your way of of realizing you're you know do you just sit down to do, do you put on music and then you write a joke? What's your what is your <laughs> do you put on a nice cup of tea? I don't know. Uh, Let's see. Or is it just a experience junkie? Like yeah. just go out and it experience out as life. much as you can. I don't... It comes out of life, I think. You experience, uh, if I find it funny, and again, it's usually conflict. Something's gone wrong. If I find it funny, other people will find it funny. It's usually the way it goes. So a, a, a joke is a setup and a punchline. It's called a, a brain, a train wreck of your mind. So basically a joke sends you in a certain direction. It crashes into the punchline, which is unexpected. And then for you to find that funny, you have to recognize the connection between the preamble and the punchline. And then you suspend, the listener suspends judgment. And then they go, ah, I'm so clever, I got it. And then you release the endorphins. So actually um, comedy, I would suggest to anyone who wants to be a speaker, do comedy. There is no better way for you to become a, a good, a great public speaker than through comedy. Because comedy is tough. It is, uh, in, in one five-minute set, there's an average of 25 jokes or setups and punchlines. So, yeah. Um, well. 
Yeah, so it, it really is something that takes time to craft. A really good joke, to me, a really good joke is worth gold because I will say it over and over and over. And I also know the reaction I'll get from an audience from it. And so mm -hmm. it, it's strategically placed in a speech to get people going, to get them laughing. So they're, they're very precious, a, good, a great joke. And especially one that's relatable, that doesn't have... Um, like poor taste to it that's not about body parts or body fluids or you know that you can actually use with a with mm -hmm. a with a broad audience that mo that everybody would find funny I liked what you were saying before as well you were saying that um, humor in your speech is kind of like uh, I just I remember trying to take this pill when I was really young from this nurse and it was just a gigantic pill and she kept putting jam on the pill and I would just eat the jam <laughs> and just spit out the pill <laughs> you put more jam yeah and I, I it, from what you're describing it sounds like the comedy is kind of like the jam around that about that medicine the thing that we yeah. need to take to make ourselves better and then the comedy is really just the vehicle for that yeah, to get in. Good analogy. Yeah. It keeps yeah. you moving. It keeps everything flowing and fluid. I, I just say to people, just laugh for absolutely no reason at all. Laugh and see how you feel. So then they have laughter yoga uh, and laughing for no reason at all. It's studies show if you laugh for five minutes every day for literally no reason, just laugh then um, you can change your perspective, you can change your life, it can decrease endorphin, I mean, it increases endorphins, but it, it, it gives you longevity, mm -hmm. uh, it decreases stress, it changes your mm -hmm. perspective. So that's one simple, easy thing anyone could do every day. I mean, it, seem, it seems silly at the time, but what you're doing is learning to take yourself lightly when you laugh at yourself. Mm -hmm. You're creating a safe environment and making people want to be around you too. I think when, especially when a leader laughs and doesn't take themselves so seriously. And I, Jody, I know when I heard you speak a few years ago, the joke that I remember the most, maybe share it if you, if it's top of mind for you, but it was a scenario where you were at a store okay. and the clerk was selling asking it at the end of your purchase do you want to donate two dollars to help yes. support this cause and <laughs> what's, this, can you what's share the story that joke with our listeners because i think it, it really i thought it was the funniest thing i heard at the time and it really landed with me because this happens all the time right where you donate two dollars to whatever yeah that was walmart i was standing in line at walmart and the girl was ringing through my groceries and then she stopped and she said, would you like to donate $2 to help the sick child? Now, when you do it live, um, you really get into the facial expression and do <laughs> you know, you want to put someone in that situation in the, at the, at the time, like what would it be like with that, that teller who really doesn't care, you can tell. And uh, <laughs> so, so would you like to donate $2 to help a sick child? And then I said, I said, well, I don't know. How sick is he? Because <laughs> I've got a sore throat, bad back, psoriasis. I mean, maybe I need a jar at the Walmart. <laughs> and then, of course, you always, try, you always try to make a point out of it. And, um, I, you know, it's true that you can actually change the point to, to, to match your goal in a speech. But in that case, I think I say, 
people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care because she clearly did not care mm. <clears throat> who the sick children were. She didn't know. She had no idea where the money went. She had no idea. And so why would somebody want to care about your cause if you don't, mm. right? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And did this really happen? Was this a true yes. story that actually happened to you? And you asked the clerk, well, I don't know, how sick is the child? Right. And then, and so then there's your social clue um, or cue, the people around me laughed. And I mean, this happened so long ago, Susan. <laughs> and I try to remember it, what it's like in the moment when it actually happened, right? Yeah. Um, um, what does inspired leadership mean to you so as a leader you are the most watched and listened to person um, in the room so when we're isolated you still are a leader it's just that you have to reach out using the technology and you have to stay in front of people but people do look to a leader and we need to set the tone we have the opportunity to set the tone some people feel now that I mean uh, it used to be that leadership just because you had a job, you, you were a leader, you had a title, people listened to you and they respected you. And some of that has kind of dropped off. We feel like people have to respect us in order for us to lead. But the truth is that if you are a leader, you still need to lead. Um, and you need to set a tone for people. I mean, I think about it when I'm on a flight and if there's turbulence, I look immediately to the flight attendants. And if they're laughing and joking, <laughs> then I feel like, you know what, we're gonna be okay. But if I look at the flight <laughs> attendants and they look like they wanna jump out of the plane, then I think mm. this is not gonna, you know, I start to, I feel the immediate uh, fear coming through me. So they are leaders, whether they want to be or not. It doesn't matter if people, even if they like you, if they respect you, you are still a leader. So you still have to step up and lead. And I think the biggest part of that is to lead in an inspiring way, to set the tone for people. Harder to do when you do it online like this, right? So we have to still be reaching out and connecting with people. I think things like Zoom are great to, mm -hmm. to keep people uh, together and make sure that they know, you know, we still, we're still working it. Well, if you're working, especially. Um, otherwise, people um, tend to enter into more like a survival mode where we're always in fight or flight. We, we have a lot of apathy, guilt, grief. We tend to become more protective. Um, yeah, stuck in this uncertainty. Um, they're just, uh, they don't know the outcome that's going to happen. So how would, yeah, how would we lead in that, in uncertainty? Well, yeah, so I, I like the, the analogy of there's direction and there's support. What we tend to want to give people is support, which means to say everything's going to be okay, uh, you know, sort of like the pat on the back and you're doing a good job and all of that is really important that's something that we almost naturally do as people so that's great and it's important but what people really need when we're in survival is we need direction so we need someone to step up and say here's where you need to go here's what we need to do we need to have really clear goals to know where we're headed I, it's hard to know because so much uncertainty right now but what what should we be working on? What kind? What are our? Um, what's our next level? And it might be so. For me, 
this whole time period is about personal development, making myself a better person so I can do my job better when we finally finish this isolation routine that we're in. So it may be what it is for many leaders. If, if we don't have actual work that we're, we have people doing that, it's, it is that personal development. How can you, you know, learn more about conflict management right now? Figure out how you can deal with those difficult people when you get back to work. How can you be, be a better communicator? How can you be more confident in your role? Um, spend this time doing that. But it's a leader who has to encourage people to step up and encourage them to move in that direction. Jody, where can our where can our listeners go to book you for their next virtual event or conference once we start to uh, engage in groups again? Yeah, well, I'd love to do it virtually, but especially love to do it live. <laughs> um, they can just come to my website. I love that. Uh, it's idoinspire.com. I do inspire.com. Awesome. Yeah. And on there, you could find my YouTube, my LinkedIn. I, I post um, almost every day on all of those things. Twitter. Thank you so much, Joey, for coming on. Thank you. And that wraps another episode of the Inspired Leadership Podcast. If you like this cast, give it a like, share it, post your comments, favorite the cast. Every little bit counts. Till next time.